What is Habakkuk looking for? Is he looking for the approaching army? No, he's not looking for the approaching army. He's actually looking for, he's waiting for God's answer. This is something when we step back, we can ask ourselves, are you asking God for something in your life? Then here's some things that Habakkuk tells us that we ought to do, we can. Is God answering? Am I able to hear him? And many times we think, oh, the fault is on God. How can it be the fault on God? Perhaps there's something wrong with me. God's words are absolute truth and will come to pass, even if it is. it seems to us to be simply delayed. The Bible in Jeremiah 32 verses 17 to 19 reads, Our Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty in deed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. A warm welcome to the Agape Fellowship. We invite you to journey on this verse-by-verse -verse study of the scriptures with us. Last time, as we studied from the first chapter of Habakkuk, we saw a dialogue between Prophet Habakkuk and God. We considered two questions that Habakkuk posed to God, and we were able to see from God's response to Habakkuk's first question that he is absolutely sovereign and he umpires the affairs of men and nations. Today, we continue on from Habakkuk chapter 2, and we join Habakkuk as he waits for the Lord's response to his second question. Be blessed as you hear today's meditation. So we're going to jump into Habakkuk, and I'm assuming that you can see my blackboard um, that I put out there. Um, so... In the first chapter of Habakkuk, there were two questions that Habakkuk asked and God answered them. Um, and the first question was, anybody, anybody remember what was the first question that he had asked? How come you're not uh, doing anything about these wicked uh, Israelites or Judahites? How long, Lord? That yeah. was the big question. How long? Should we wait to see? And then what was the second question? It's the Babylonians, Joe. No, no. What was, he... what was the second question? Oh, it was actually a shock and a, a question as a result of that. How, how can you uh, send somebody worse to take care of somebody that's not quite as bad? Right. How, how can you use the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, uh, to, dis uh, to uh, discipline um, the Israelites. Those were the two questions. So in chapter 2 verse 1 we're going to pick up exactly there. <clears throat> and when um, Habakkuk had asked that question and God gave that answer, um, he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, that's where we're going to pick up, I will stand and stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. 
Now, as we read through Habakkuk, we would think that this is one question followed by another question, one after the other, uh, in sort of like a um, linear, right, one after the other kind of a thing. Uh, but if you notice the answers, you will see that there was a lot of gap between the first question and the second question. The first question, if you remember, was how long should we wait for you to discipline Israelites? And how, how come your eyes are not seeing this wickedness? And God's response was, Habakkuk, I'm doing something. I'm preparing a people. And uh, then the next question is about the Chaldeans. At that first one, um, the, God was only starting to prepare a nation. By the time the second question rolled around, the Chaldeans were already a force in the horizon coming up against many. And remember, those were the things that he said, you know, they have the fish nets. They gather up nations as if they were gathering fish. And they're wicked. And how come you're using this? Um, how can you use such a horrible people? By then, they had become a force. So there was a question, an answer, another question, and he's now waiting. And he's waiting to see what will that answer be. And he sets himself at the rampart. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. Habakkuk purposed to take a stand upon his watch and station himself upon a rampart. What is a rampart? We've heard of this before. It's a military watchman. A watchman on the wall, you can say. In this case, the rampart was a watchtower on the city, and he positions himself above the city to look for this approaching enemy that's coming. And you can read about it in 2 Kings 9 and Nahum and Jeremiah 5, uh, 51, 12, and so on, about this watching out there for this horrendous, horrible nation that's coming up against Israelites. And he says, I watch to see what he will say and what I will answer when I'm corrected. What is Habakkuk looking for? Is he looking for the approaching army? No, he's not looking for the approaching army. He's actually looking for, he's waiting for God's answer. Um, it, what he will say to me, notice what he says, what he will say to me. That's what he's waiting for. He's standing at the rampart. He's watch up in the watchtower saying, what is God going to answer me? How is he going to answer me? And he's introspecting in his mind what to say when he's corrected. In other words, God, I don't have all the answers. Maybe I'm asking a stupid question. I don't know what exactly my answer and response should be. But I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch and I'm going to, and I'm going to ponder over what I will answer when I'm corrected. Interesting to note that he's expecting a correction. This is something when we step back, we can ask ourselves, are you asking God for something in your life? Then here's some things that Habakkuk tells us that we ought to do, we can do. One is separate ourselves from the crowd. That is go away to a solitary place. Set yourself apart. You are seeking the Lord for an answer then demonstrate with your life that you're actually seeking the Lord for an answer. Separate yourself. Wait on God. Then 
<clears throat> expect an answer. Habakkuk was expecting an answer. Many times we ask the question never expecting an answer, but expect an answer. Let's look at some verses that we can read. Um, read Matthew 7, please. If can one of you take Matthew 7, 7 to 12. And one of you can take James 1, 5 to 8. See, I believe is it asking, asking it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For, for everyone, everyone who asks receives. Thank you. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this, is, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Thank you, Len. Let's read James 1. Maria, go ahead. Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Thank you. That is expect an answer. If you ask a question of the Lord, then expect an answer. Now, the answer may not be your answer, the type of answer, or the answer that you want. But that's, that's not the same as not receiving an answer. God will give you an answer. Number two, he has his own timing. That's another thing that we think that I want, I'm asking God a question. I want the answer now. I want the answer now. Look at Habakkuk, however. He's asked a question. This is a horrendous thing that's going to happen to the nation. It's his own people. And so you can imagine it's his nation, it's his people, and God has told him judgment's coming, and he's asking, this is as bad as it can get for the nation. However, Habakkuk is waiting for God's timing. Let's look at a couple of points on that. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. And Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay. Thank you. So here we have one aspect of it. We are expecting certain things based on our human knowledge. And look at what Habakkuk has done here. He is waiting and he's ready to be corrected. In other words, he's holding on to his presuppositions very loosely. He's not taking them for granted that he's got it all figured out. And so God has got to answer it this way. He's willing to be corrected. He's willing to change his direction. 
And that's the attitude in which Habakkuk is waiting. Okay, Isaiah 40. Who's got Isaiah 40? Uh, I've got Isaiah Okay, 40. go ahead. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Faint. Thank you, Ashish. Here we have in, in New King James, it says, those that wait on the Lord. We are to wait on the Lord. We are to wait for his timing. See, the ones that are, that are renewing the strength are the ones that are waiting on the Lord. Not that you went to the Lord and he renewed your strength. That could happen also. However, it's the waiting on the Lord part of it that makes the difference. And finally, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. But behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ears heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Sometimes that is a blockage also that we have to acknowledge. Sometimes it's our sin that blocks us from answering. It's not that God doesn't answer, but think of your radio station. I've many times pondered over this point. Is God answering? Am I able to hear him? And many times we think, oh, the fault is on God. How can it be the fault on God? Perhaps there's something wrong with me. Because of my sin, because of my iniquity, my radio station is not tuned to his frequency. And when my radio station, when my radio is not tuned to his frequency, he may be speaking at the top of his voice, but I can never hear it because my ears are deaf, uh, my eyes are blind, and I cannot hear him, neither can I see him. So in waiting for him, it is uh, the right approach would be to cleanse ourselves, ask the Lord to cleanse us and attune us, attune our radio station to his frequency so that we might hear him. Sometimes we ask for a few things. Here's what typically happens. We ask for a few things. We think we don't get an answer. And then what do you do? We forsake. We, what we do is we forsake that God. And then we go to the next God who can give me a more appropriate answer. And sometimes here it is. The answer that he gives is not in line with what our expectations were. What do we do then? Here too, we go to another God. And that second God may be you yourself or me myself. And so we forget that. And notice Habakkuk's attitude of being willing to be corrected. Even in the questioning. From this we see that Habakkuk's questioning is an inquiry. God, I do not understand what you're doing. But I know that you're right in all things. Please speak and correct me. That's the kind of attitude that Habakkuk is coming to God with. Very difficult situation. Like I said, a nation is going to be destroyed. Perhaps his people are going to be destroyed. His family, perhaps. Who knows what else destruction is going to bring on them. However, in spite of all these things, in spite of all these things, he's willing to wait for the answer. Verse 2. Let's move on to the next one. Then the Lord answered him and said, 
write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the wish the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries and wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry God wanted Habakkuk to write down the the vision in a simple way so that the one who reads can understand the seriousness of the statement and move in haste. This does not mean run for the hills. That's not what he means that he may run who reads it. The reader must have a sense of urgency in the resolve when they see that because there's more going on. Now this part when he says he may run who reads it is hurry up. Do what's needed. Do what's right. We don't see the full picture. Jeremiah gives you the bigger picture. What does Jeremiah come to call the nation? Remember Jeremiah, Habakkuk and Jeremiah sort of overlap. Their ministry sort of overlap. First comes Habakkuk, then comes Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a young man as Habakkuk is going into his golden years. Um, there's an overlap, but you know what Jeremiah's call was. Jeremiah's call was what? Repentance. Come back to the Lord so that you might be saved. Even at the very last minute, he look, come back to the Lord that he might save you. So God wanted to save Jerusalem, Judah, all through to the very end. But people wouldn't want it. People just didn't want it. So they were willing to drop everything and go whichever way they want. For the vision is for yet an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. So the vision that God showed Habakkuk was for a time yet to come. It was a future vision. God's words are absolute truth and will come to pass, even if it is. it seems to us to be simply delayed. Um, let's read Habakkuk, I'm sorry, Isaiah 55 one more time, uh, 10 and 11. And let's also pick up 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Isaiah 55 verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So my word, which goes, from, goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Thank you. Second Peter. Three. I got it. Mm -hmm. But do not forget this one thing, dear friend. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but ever, but ever, and but everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Yep. So, thank you, Len. Uh, thank you, Naveen. Um, in both cases, we are clear, it's clear that God's word once spoken is an absolute word. There is no changing with it. There's no shadow of change with any of these things. God's words are perfect and it will come to pass. He, it seems to us to be a delay, but that's not the case. There are certain timetables, remember we read, his ways are not our ways. 
His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are much higher than ours. Just as the higher heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts. So his thinking, his process is all different from where we are at. But those words will come to pass. Habakkuk spoke of this age uh, beyond his own. Uh, the Babylonian conquest was not something that Habakkuk would see. In fact, he would pass away before that happens. And Jeremiah has taken on the ministry at that time, and he is now speaking to the, the nation to come to repentance. Our Habakkuk had begun it during the period of Josiah as a young boy. Today, we were able to study the first two verses from Habakkuk chapter 2. We learn from Habakkuk what it means to wait on the Lord in anticipation for a response. We see that Habakkuk postures himself with expectancy and alertness for the Lord's answer and also with preparedness for when the Lord corrects him. Habakkuk teaches us how to seek the Lord and that we are to expect an answer. Let today's meditation cause us to examine our posture when we come before God. Do we pray to God truly expecting a response from the Almighty? Join us next time as we continue to look at God's response to Prophet Habakkuk. We pray that you were blessed.